What is your view of God? How do you view God today? Jesus is making an argument as he speaks. He says, here's how one way I want you to view God. And that is as a shepherd. As a shepherd. Not just any shepherd, but as a good shepherd. Now, I have to tell you, this metaphor, at least for me, uh, is a little kind of out of sync with where we live, where I live. Well, at least so I thought. One day I was taking Lily into school, and um, I was, uh, it was just a normal day, and I was driving down 80 Road right off of Euclid. So I turned down 80 Road, take Lily into school, and I looked over, and I was like, wait a minute, there's a sheep. And so I was a little befuddled. I'm like, this is the middle of East Cleveland. There's no sheep around here, but by and large, true story, there really was a sheep. There's an urban farm down at Eddie Road. As it gets a little colder, I don't know if the sheep are still out, but it's there. And I tell you that story to let, let us know that the idea of this idea of sheep, shepherd, flock, all that stuff, I know it's a little distant from us, or, or so you thought. But just go down Eddie Road and, and say hi to the sheep. We don't know the sheep's name. But anyway, let's walk through this passage with this idea of God being a shepherd. And we're going to touch a little bit of the idea of being a sheep. Lord willing, next week we'll look at more of the sheep. But today I want us to look at the shepherd. To really look at the shepherd. I want us to see the, sheep, the shepherd's guard. What is the shepherd guarding these people from? Several things. Secondly, I want us to look at what's so good about the shepherd. If Jesus says you God is a good shepherd, what is good about this God? In this passage, we're going to see three things. I'm sorry, four things. And then lastly, and probably the most important, if we are here and you're like, okay, if God is this good according to Jesus, if he's the shepherd, you probably want to think, how am I going to follow him? How do I know if my life is coming under the sheep? I mean, the shepherd and following him as a sheep. We're going to talk about three ways that to know the shepherd's guidance. So, you guys ready to go? The shepherd's guard. Shepherd's guard. So, just so you know, we're going to do a little history to start us out. In the first century where Jesus is talking, in John chapter 10, he's telling people that, that you, can, you should view God as a shepherd. Now, for us, that means nothing besides being surprised on Eddie Road. I get it. But a shepherd was... For them, in their day, in the ancient world, a shepherd was someone <coughs> who was of the working class, the lower working class. He was a humble, dirty servant. Think of it like this. It's since we don't live in a, on a farm. Think of it if you kind of had like a, a, a royal janitor. Now, that may seem weird for us. But it's someone who had a status to some. It was royalty to some. But for others, it was just a, a humble worker. And so God, Jesus is saying to view God in this way. And you need to know that this, this, this shepherd who is a guard, this humble worker, grunt worker, there's something that he guards people from. Well, what does he guard people from? Four things that are very relevant for where we live, particularly to where we are now as a family. And that is, first, he guards people from false views of God. So in the first century, shepherds, one of the tasks was to guard people. So he was this humble worker who guarded the sheep. And he guarded his people. Well, what did he guard them from? Well, if, this is what Jesus says. First, this view of a false view of God. And first, that believing that God is distant and uninterested with people. So believing that God is distant, just out there, and that he's uninterested with people. What do I mean? Well, let me, let's start in this, this book, uh, this chapter, and we've we got to understand the backdrop of what this is happening. He says, truly, truly, or honestly, honestly, I'm speaking to you. Listen, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold of the door but climbs in by any other way, that man is a thief and a robber. What in the world is Jesus talking about? 
Somebody breaking into a sheepfold, somebody climbing to the door. It sounds like this is like insurance broker's worst nightmare. What is happening? Well, here's what's happening. Jesus is saying to people, here's how you can view God. He is a shepherd, but then also he has a sheepfold or his house where the sheep live, where people live. And he's saying that God doesn't just let anybody just jump on up in the sheepfold. Remember the story I told you about Eddie Rowe? Even this sheep in the middle of East Cleveland, urban America, this sheep was in the sheepfold like a pen. Have you ever seen that? And so in the ancient world, they would have next to where the shepherd lived, where he stayed, connected to the shepherd's house. and, And sometimes they had one, two, or three all connected to each other, these huge pens. And then the shepherd would come and he would make sure that no one would try to jump in or slide in and take off the sheep. What was the point? He's saying that God cares and is interested with people and he's not far from them. The sheepfold was very close to where the shepherd lived. It wasn't, as if the, it wasn't as if the shepherd lived here and the sheepfold was somehow way in the backyard. Like, oh, yeah, I see my sheep out there. No. The sheep were very close to where the shepherd lived. And so God is trying to say, number one, that God is interested in people. And he's not distant. Some of us, I even know practically, even my heart can go there sometimes. You think, it seems you just wonder, like, where is God? What is he doing? He can seem so far from us sometimes. But according to Jesus, he's saying, number one, to understand God being the shepherd, you need to understand that that is a false view of God. If you think God is just out there, if he's just over there in that neighborhood, if he's just over there in that country, if he's just doing that, but yet he's not close to you, you have a false view of God. He's very close. He's so close, here's what he can say. He says that by the door, but climbs in another way, the man is a thief and a robber. He's saying that there are people who are thieves and robbers who are trying to come and get what's in the sheepfold. In other words, he cares. So not only is God not far, he's not uninterested. Do you ever struggle to wonder if God is truly interested in your life? And I don't mean just like your moral police officer. Have you ever wondered like he's really personally interested in you? Or people? That he honestly, positively cares? See, oftentimes, I know although many of us profess to be Christians, and I'm not doubting that necessarily, but you know we can live as atheists? It's almost like practically we think, in our hearts and our minds sometimes, we think, okay, I believe in God, I believe God is close, but he just seems so distant, he's so far, and he's uninterested. God said that's a false view of God. He says, number one, you understand that the sheep, the good shepherd, is guarding you against a false view of God. Now, to understand this passage, you have to understand the backdrop of this, because we don't live in the middle of this confrontation. This confrontation, or this explanation, is coming after the confrontation Jesus had in John chapter 9, the Pastor Paul preached last week. Now, but here's what I want you to know. If you go back to Ezekiel 34, here's what you'll find. Ezekiel 34 is like the underpinning of John chapter 10. As if John chapter 10 is this beautiful painting, Ezekiel 34 is kind of like the, the white background. And so in Ezekiel 34, you'll see something. If you read about the God in Ezekiel chapter 34, you don't have to go there now, you'll see that God was very angry. He was mad at people who were taking sheep, and they were supposed to be taking care of the sheep, showing them that God was close and that God was interested in them. And instead of really serving them and loving them, they were fleecing them. They were taking their money and saying, no, give me this. I don't care about you. And in so doing, it made God look bad. And so people thought that God was not, not only was God not necessarily good, his representatives, because his representatives went bad, then now God was uninterested in their good. And then he makes a promise in Ezekiel 34, 11 and 12. He says, no, 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 I'm going to make a world where you don't have to wonder if God is far or if he's close, if he's interested or if he's not. 
you'll know specifically that God is close and that he's interested and he's for your good. And so he's saying, when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, he's saying first, guard against the false view that God is uninterested in you. So that's the first thing he's here to guard us from. Secondly, what else is he here to guard us from? You know what else he's guarded from? That God can be accessed in just any way that we want to. What do I mean? Look back in John chapter 10 and verse 3. It says, to him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. I want you to know verse 3. Look what it says. To him. Who is him? Him is the actual shepherd. The real shepherd is the one who can control the gate of the sheepfold. Now back to the analogy of the sheepfold. This is the, the be close to God, to be loved by God. It was to be in God's sheepfold. And, he's, and Jesus is saying that, I want you to understand, if you, God is interested, he's there, but he, everybody just can't run up in the sheepfold. You have to be that him person who can open the gate and let people in and let people out. He's saying that you can't just run up to God any way you want to. Now, I know we live in a world where people think, oh, when you talk about God, yeah, I just believe in God. People think that's enough. Oh, yeah, I, I know God. God is like this. God is like that. And I relate to God. He's my maker. People say that all the time. Jesus says, what you said, if you believe that, is, is true. But you need to know that there's a specific way to get in the household of God. Has anyone ever had your house broken into? That's a scary thing, isn't it? When somebody breaks into your house. Why is that so scary? Probably because you feel like vulnerable. You were violated. Where you were like, somebody came up into my possession and joined my goods, my stuff, and they didn't have my permission. God says, I can feel that way too. People want to break up into my house, enjoy my goodness, claim to have my relationship that I give according to my discretion. I can feel that way too. And why is that? Because I have a specific way to access my goods. See, the view that you can just run up into God and get any access to him according to our standards, not his, is absolutely false according to Jesus. He says, now in verse 3, to him the gatekeeper opens. To who? That's the shepherd. Well, who is the shepherd? That's Jesus. He's saying that God can be accessed. He's interested. He's good. But he can't just be accessed by anyone in any way. Notice a specific way you have to go about him. So he's guarding us from a false view of God. Why is that helpful? Why is it helpful to know <coughs> that you can't just run up in God in any way and it'd be okay with him? Number one, have you ever just seen somebody, and you probably might have a friend like this. Have you ever had a friend who just was very indiscriminatory? In other words, they just didn't have a very good judgment in picking friends. And it's sort of like they just kind of like, oh, yeah, you can be my friend. They didn't, anybody come in, treat me anyway, it doesn't even matter. Now, although you might not say that to the, this person, this friend, or that you know, do you think that person is, um, is wise and dependable? Not really. Have you ever noticed that people who are just indiscriminate in general, oftentimes in your heart is not people you usually confide in? You want someone who has some way. Okay, you can get to me, and there's a specific way. There's some wisdom to me. There's a way to get to me, and it makes them trustworthy. See, that's how God is. He's saying, look, you can get to me. I'm interested in you. I'm close. And there's a specific way to come, that, that how we relate, how you can enjoy being close to me. And in that, he's trying to assure us that, look, I'm trustworthy. I'm good. I have parameters to this relationship. But not only is that good for us, He's saying that he views us from a, a false view of God, that he's distant, uninterested. He can't, he's, he's easily accessible. 
And this is something I think I want us to particularly hunker down on today. Is that God, it guards, he, God is guarding us from a false view of that God isn't moving history forward. That God isn't moving history forward. What do I mean? The backdrop of John chapter 10 is Ezekiel chapter 34. God makes a promise. He steps in to people who are being brutalized, maimed, mistreated, having a difficult life because of other religious people abusing them. And he says, God says, number one, you religious leaders, I have a problem with you. This is not okay with me. I hate that you are supposedly, supposedly representing me, mistreating people, supposed to be showing people my good, my love, and my consistency and my guidance. And instead of that, instead of love, now you have treated them in an abusive way to just say you are here to be abused. God says, okay, now this is what I'm going to do. He steps in Ezekiel 34. He says, I'm going to send someone who's going to be a perfect shepherd. And now I'm going to send someone to be a perfect shepherd. Does anyone remember where this conversation in John chapter 10 happened? What happens? Who is Jesus talking to? He's talking to the Jews and the Pharisees. He's stepping in. He's rebuking people who are being abused, who are supposed to be representing God. And he says to these people, number one, I'm not okay with this. You will be punished for your mistreatment of these people. You are false shepherds. We'll talk about that in a second. But what he's saying is, his promise Ezekiel is saying that I'm going to send someone, and then if you keep reading the Bible in Revelation, you'll find this idea of shepherd and sheep picking up again. What's happening? God says, I'm going to make a world where people won't be mistreated. They will know the good shepherd. They will know that God is not distant. He can be uh, accessed specifically. And I'm going to move all of history to making a household of faith and all my sheep will be there. Now stop. Think about that. He's saying that all of human history for the Jews in John 9, for the Jews in John 10, and even for us now, he's saying you can know something for sure about me. I am moving out of all the continents in the world, out of all the times in the world, out of all the epochs that have happened, out of every single generation that have been. I am doing one central thing. I am going to build a people who will forever enjoy me, be taken care of, and be loved and cherished and enjoy being in my household. God is saying, Jesus is saying, that, look, that's where he's moving history. That's where my plan is going. Have you ever just wondered, is there something better? Does God have something better for us than this, what we experience now? Have you ever wondered that it seemed like history is just out of control? Have you ever looked at a certain political season, political candidate, and you're like, man, America has just lost their mind? I have. But in that, sometimes we panic. We despair. We get depressed. We give up. You're like, why? Because it seems God is distant. Because he can't necessarily be accessed personally. He's close to people. And then he's not moving us anywhere. But God says, Jesus is saying to us, number one, that God is a shepherd. And he's building a, ho- a household, a sheepfold, where people will go in and out of God's presence, living like living at his house, and they will forever enjoy justice, love, and embrace. He's saying that's what I'm doing with history. And that includes today, and that will include tomorrow, and that will include next Sunday and the Sunday after that, and the 2020 election, it will include the 24, 2024 election. It will include all that. It will include America. When, when America no longer exists, God will still be doing this. 
When nations no longer still exist, God will still be doing this. He's moving history to this desired outcome. And he's saying to them, I'm going to build a kingdom and a world where there will be God, people there, and join him in a world made new. And it will be perfect. You will hear no more gunshots. You will have no more disappointments. You will have no more struggles or worrying about how I'm going to pay this or how I'm going to pay that. You will never have to cry over a child that you lost. You will never, ever, ever have to worry about any particular church because the church will be established forever. Stable. Always there, always present. The shepherd is guarding us from futility and despair when we think that God is not moving us anywhere. Saying all there is a shepherd, and when he comes, he's going to establish this world, and every single day is moving toward that. And lastly, the shepherd is guarding us, this metaphor is, is guarding us from this idea that God is not gentle. Now think about a shepherd. I know I, I paired him, compared him to a modern day. Think of it, he's like a, he's in, in a status sense, societal sense, he's kind of a grunt worker, a janitor. Not that there's anything wrong with it all being a janitor. It all being a janitor. But he's saying it's like he's a grunt worker. He gets down into the muck and the dirtiness in people's lives. In that sense, he, he gets down in that sense. But you know what else is really true about shepherds? If you do a little uh, National Geographic research, you'll find that shepherds know their sheep and that he lives very close with them. And that a shepherd is gentle. Now, I, I'll be honest. My bent, how I personally view things, I don't necessarily put a lot of stock in being gentle. Particularly before I had children and daughters. But oftentimes we can think our view of God is just that he's just, he, he's going to build a good world. He, he, okay, he's powerful. He's strong. That sounds so good. I can, I, can, I, can, I can vibe with that. But you know, sometimes if you just watch a shepherd, you'll notice that a shepherd shears the sheep. When, when the sheep break their legs, the shepherd, according to Jesus in Luke 15, will go out to the field and get the sheep and put them on his back and carry them home. A shepherd... If a shepherd was ever, ever bitten by a wolf, the shepherd would bind up the sheep and bring it back. What is God trying to help us see? He's trying to help us see that God is gentle. This is not at all to say God is weak, or he's not holy, or he's not loving. But he's gentle. How he cares for people, according to Isaiah, matter of fact, Isaiah says, as a shepherd cares for his sheep, so God cares for his people. He's gentle, caring, compassionate, and kind. Today, I want to just exhort you to think about this idea of knowing today that God is gentle with all of his sheep. It's not like some of us say, oh, you know, I mess up. I'm not the best of sheep, you know, whatever the best of sheep, however you grade those. It's like God's like saying, okay, as a shepherd, there's this one sheep that keeps, just keep running away from me. And I'm so sick of this sheep. This sheep, this sheep is just so hard to deal with. Get over here. I'll break your legs. He has no category for that. With all his sheep, he's gentle. Just come back to me. I know you are wayward. I know you are worried. I know you are this, that, and the third. You may be dirty. Your leg might be broken. Your heart might be wounded. Come back. I'm gentle. See, some, some, of, some of us, I want us to meditate on the idea of just that God is a gentle, caring God. And he's just as gentle as he is holy. And he's just as gentle as he is loving. And he's just as gentle as he is truthful. And he's guarding us from this idea of just seeing God in any one particular way devoid of him being gentle. 
<coughs> he guards us from that. Jesus is saying in his metaphor. Next, he's saying, from false, and I'm sorry, from false selfish shepherds. Go down to verse 11 and 14. Look at 11 and 14 with me. Jesus says emphatically, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd does what? Lays down his life for his sheep. Now listen to verse 12 in light of verse 11. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. What is Jesus talking about? He's saying that I am the good shepherd. I give you right truth about God. He's the good shepherd. Well, what are the bad shepherds like? He's saying that every person who comes that you would think is supposed to be like me is not. There are false, bad, evil shepherds. From false, selfish shepherds. Matter of fact, I want you to understand that this idea, I know we live in a day where it seems like to be a pastor or to be a spiritual guider is like that you're supposed to be a CEO or you're supposed to be some big conglomerate leading an organization. Or you're just supposed to be the guy who is just pushing a mission. But Jesus says no. Actually, if you are selfish in leading sheep, you need to know that you are a false shepherd. You are a false representative of this good, gentle, caring, directing God. Now, why is that important for us now? You know why? Because if you're ever looking for a church or wherever we are, if you're looking for someone to represent this shepherd, this, this is what you should look for. God doesn't have a category for people who want to lead his people and their CEOs who are building their empire versus taking care of his sheep. God says, no, I look in people like that and you know what I see? I see false shepherds, people who I would say, no, when things get tough, you will run away from these people and you will leave these people vulnerable. Why? Because you care more about yourself than my fold. See, some of us need to take a hard look at sometimes who we think is a real pastor. How we evaluate a pastor. Who we would say, I will follow you as you follow God. Jesus said, if that person is talking about me, self, more than others, other than God, stay away. If they're using the church to just fleece people, to make money off of people, stay away from them. If when the going gets hard in life, somehow you can't find them, but somehow they can find their agenda and picking it up, stay away from them. They're false shepherds. And God is saying, through Jesus' teaching, let me warn you that you need to understand those people are dangerous. Lastly, he's guarding us from a false view of us. A false view of us. Look at verse 5. He says, a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. What is he saying? He's saying that sheep, that's people who are following Jesus or in God's fold, God's household, that these people need guidance. They're vulnerable. Jesus is saying, okay, if you need to understand that to be a sheep, he's guarding us from this inflated view of people. By the way, let me be honest with you. You know I don't like feeling vulnerable. Do you like feeling vulnerable? So much in our hearts is just like, no, I can take care of me. As a matter of fact, I was reminded of how embedded this is in us as people. Uh, Matthew had, the other day, Matthew had a, um, a leadership day in his preschool. And so the leadership day, the parents go 
or a parent goes and help out the kids, and they do crafts and stuff, and they help out what's needed. And so there's a, one of Matthew's um, classmates. Uh, it's a little girl, it's about Lisa's age, and she's is cute as a button, cute as a button. And so we're, we're trying to help all the kids do their little craft. They're making pumpkins or something. They're making pumpkins, and I, and I kneel down. And I say to her, "You need help?" She's like, "No, I got it." I said, "Okay." She's trying to she's trying to be independent. The next time we were cleaning up after the, the uh, after the playtime, I kneeled down to her. I was like, "You need help?" She's like, "No, I got it." So oh, this is a little independent something. She's been listening to Beyonce. She's like, "Oh, I'm an independent world." And I'm looking at this little girl. I was like, "I'm just here to help her." From my perspective, I can see that she needs help. There's things that are around in her environment that are bigger than she can handle. And I'm not trying to demean her. I'm not trying to say that you are worthless. I'm just trying to help. But she was like, no, I got it, I got it, I got it. Why? Because people don't like to be vulnerable. Why is that? Because we have a high view of ourselves. We think that somehow we can just simply take care of everything. Now, that doesn't, it doesn't mean you can't be confident, but it means that us as human nature, as people, we are vulnerable people. We need someone outside of us to help us with something. Are you sure about that? Yes, I am. I'm positive Jesus is right about this. You know why? My question was, Jesus, why do you use this metaphor? What about sheep that is so like people? And I've been on time people say, okay, you know, it's their intellect. I don't think that's his point. Why is it not his point? Because he's not talking. He doesn't say that the, the, the shepherd is here to just educate the people. Although that's part of it. He doesn't say that the bad shepherds are wrong because they are stupid or are just falsely instructing people. He doesn't say that either. He says that the shepherds are selfish. And so those are false bad shepherds. Why is that so bad, Jesus, to be selfish and to neglect people? Of course that is bad. Don't hear me wrong. That's bad. Because Jesus said these people are vulnerable. Look, look, at, look at verse 12. He sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And then what happens? The wolf snatches them and scatters them. They were vulnerable. People are vulnerable. And they need protection and guidance and they need care. It, th- Jesus is saying to us, if you feel vulnerable right now, that's not the end of the world. That means you're human. If you ever feel vulnerable, that's okay. That's what the shepherd is supposed to do, to help show you that his presence means that you are vulnerable by your nature. And if someone's not looking out for you, you are in danger. So he's helping us guard us from that. If, you, if we're thinking about this passage right, and you're saying, I just feel vulnerable, it's hard for me to show weakness. It's hard for me to just say, I need someone look, looking out for me that knows more than me, that's stronger than me, that's more, that's more, more sensible to me. And Jesus is saying, you're starting to understand what I'm here to guard you from. A false view of yourself. And that's okay. So that's the sheep's guard. He guards us from all of that. Well, now that we're just out here in the open, Jesus, you've shown us that we're vulnerable, that we're weak people by nature. Is there any goodness to this? Jesus says, absolutely. I'm the good shepherd. So what is the shepherd's goodness? You see, you see the shepherd's goodness in three ways in this passage. Three things you see. And by the way, I want you to see these are all actions. See, the goodness of God to people is never just idea of just a concept or a poster on the wall. Have you ever seen that? Have you ever done it like you have a bumper sticker that says God is good or something like that? Have you ever just seen like a poster like, you know, the 77 names of God? And so when you don't feel like God is good, just look at the names. 
Or when you don't think Jesus is really caring for you or, or, or moving you anywhere or moving people anywhere, just look at a bumper sticker. God says, no, no, my actions towards people is how you can know that I'm good. And in my, in my actions towards people, you will know my goodness. Well, what are these actions? You see three actions here. Number one, he personally calls people. Look at verse three. Verse three, to him, that's Jesus, <coughs> the gatekeeper opens. The sheep do what? They hear his voice. And what else? He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. We're going to talk about lead them out first. But listen to what Jesus is saying. That God is a communicator with people. That he calls people and he calls in a specific way. What do you mean his own sheep? Read the Bible carefully. He says that he calls his own sheep. It doesn't say he calls all the sheep. He says he calls his own sheep by name. What is God trying to say? Jesus is teaching us that he calls his people personally. And in this, you should know something of his goodness. Have you ever been sitting in a crowd and just, let's say you ever lost a kid. Have you ever lost your kid in a crowd? It's one of the scariest things that can happen to a parent. It will freak you out. So on the parent side, you have the parent freaking out like, oh my goodness, where's my kid? But do you, have you ever watched the kid when they are disconnected from the parent? Even if there's a bunch of kids around? What is the, what, how does the kid feel? Freaked out, crying. Where's my parent? And have you ever seen when the parent now sees his lost kid in a crowd of people and calls that kid by name? Elise, come here. Not right now, just a sermon illustration. It could be a room full of kids, a room full of people. And if I have ever lost Elise, as much as I love Jimmy, as much as I love John and Deshaun and Raquel, as much as I love all them, you know who I'm going to be calling? Elise. Why? Because my heart is tied to hers. So I see her specifically personally and say, that is my child. Come here. And in me calling to her to come to me, she can know that there is someone good looking for her to do her good. And Jesus is saying, that's the goodness of this shepherd. He's saying that if you can just imagine, back in the, in the, in the first century, in these sheepfolds, you could have a bunch of owners who have connecting gates, connecting fields, and you would have sheep scattered through all of those. Jesus saying that he's the shepherd, he stands, and he looks out out of all these sheep, out of all these people, and things that people follow, and he says, that one's mine, come here. And calls that one by name. By the way, people don't, didn't usually name sheep. They're not like us. They weren't as weird as we are. You know why he says he calls them my name? He says, because I see them personally. And I call out to them, and I take ownership of them. Think about when you became a Christian. When it's almost you could just sense Jesus was saying, I want you, come to me. You remember that? It's like you were just sitting in a crowd of people, perhaps, or you were sitting by yourself with your Bible. Whenever that moment happens, when you understood Jesus, it was almost as if he was talking directly to you, and he was saying, come to me. You're like, oh, me, me? No, no, yes, you. He's like, that's God's goodness to call people to him by name. He's saying that the goodness of the shepherd is that he personally knows his people, although they might be wandering and vulnerable. 
By the way, this is one of the best things about not only experiencing life, becoming a Christian, but in an ongoing sense. See, some of us think, okay, Jesus, at one point in time, I just had to follow him. I just wanted to be with him, and that's true. That's God's call to his people that he, he is owned, that he knows from all of eternity. But, you know, as living as a Christian, God, it, can see, it can seem as if God stopped speaking to you. As if you're like, man, God, if you would just show up and talk to me again. See, he's saying you can know that goodness every time you look to Jesus and get in the scriptures. And if he seems like he's silent, it could be because your ears are not attuned to the shepherd's voice. But the goodness that he calls to his people initially in conversion and then over time through sanctification is always God's active goodness to his people. If you're ever wrestling to say, does God even care for me? Has, is Jesus even close? Is his goodness real in my life? My first question is, did you ever hear Jesus call to you initially? Number one, that was God's goodness in your life. You're like, yeah, that was a long time ago, though. That doesn't happen every day. No, it doesn't happen every way in a dramatic sense, but it does happen every time you lean in to listen. He's calling to you because you are of his fold if you are in Christ. So you can know that goodness initially and ongoing. Secondly, the shepherd's goodness is that he, he is a personal and corporate guide to his people. Look at verse 3 again. He says, <coughs> The sheep hears his voice and he calls his own sheep by name. And then what does he do with them? He leads them where? Out. Well, wait a minute. What do you mean leads them out? This is confusing. I thought you wanted to be in the sheepfold. Why would the shepherd now be leading you out? Is Jesus leading you to like abandonment? Is he leading you to wander alone out in the dark like you were when he found you? No, he, this is what he's saying. He's saying that if you look at this big picture, in John chapter 9, there's a bunch of people who are around religious ideology. And there's a bunch of religious ideology and some of them were saying, okay, we're comfortable with our system of beliefs, Judaism, and we're comfortable here. We don't believe Jesus is this good shepherd, the Messiah. We don't believe that. So some people are just sitting there. They're in, <coughs> they're in this field. But what he's saying is that Jesus comes to lead people who will respond to his voice, his call, his beckoning, out of this idea of condemnation. Not just around God, but into God's household. Not just to say, okay, I look religious, but now I'm actually connected to God. I lead them out of not only religious lostness, but also lawless, irreligious lostness. He's saying I'm calling them out of something and into something. You say, well, into what? To go to into what, you have to look at verse 9. He says, I'm calling them out <coughs> of religious lostness, irreligious lostness. And then it go to verse 9, it says, I, I am the door. He's the entry point. If anyone enters by me, he will be what? Saved. Saved. And will go in and out and find pasture. He's saying, I take people who are out of religious lostness, irreligious lostness, and I lead them in to find pasture. Pasture in the Bible is a metaphor for salvation. To enjoy the forgiveness of God, the eternal embrace of God. To be forever beloved and favored by God. You experience it in this life, and it will be culminating in the life to come, and when the kingdom of God comes. And he's saying, this is what I want you to know, you can know that God is good because he's guiding people, people personally with his goodness, into salvation. 
You say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You don't know my life. My life is hard. I have difficulties. That can be true. If you look at life of a sheep, you'll find that a sheep's life at times can be very tumultuous. They get lost sometimes. People try to run in, them, run in on them. But I want you to know something that's true about sheep and it's true about us. There is nothing that we can experience in this life that devoids the forgiveness we have of God, the grace we forever can experience in God, from God, and our personal access to God. There is nothing in this life that can ever, can ever devoid that, no matter what happens. He's saying, and this is how I lead people. I lead people with my goodness, and it's a personal goodness, and as I guide them. By the way, have you ever found someone who was lost? What's the most loving thing you could do for them? Help them and guide them. He says, Jesus looks at us and says, you can be lost at times. And I'm here to help you and guide you and lead you back in and out of the fold, into God's experiences, loving, forgiveness, kindness, and then back out and back in. He's saying, I'm forever in that way good to you. Now, isn't that just good? What if we really believe that more? How much more would our lives really be changed if we could just get this and by his help have it pressed in on us? Any time my life could be, anything could be happening, but God will guide me to wherever I am, to where he wants me. And then lastly, his goodness, and chiefly, he rescues his people. He rescues his sheep. You say, well, where is God leading people? He's leading them out of something and into God's salvation. But I want you to see something. That is the climax of Jesus' teaching here in verse 11. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. You see that selfless love? He said, and my whole labor in life in ministry, my ministry in this world was for the benefit of the sheep. He said, I'm willing to lay down my life. Well, I'm laying down my life. Why? What does that mean? One of the best ways to be a good friend, a good husband, a good person to people in that sense, you know what it is? Is to be selfless. Think about all the people who you just love having a relationship with. I bet you if you scratch a little bit, you'll find out that they're very selfless. Or let's say you don't have very good many friends. You don't, you're not a good husband. You're not a good wife. You're not a good friend. You know one probably one of the things holding you back? Selfishness. You know what lets, I have let people down with most of the time in relationship is because I've been selfish. In other words, I don't, I'm not laying down my life. I want to lay down life for me. But Jesus says, I want you to know that I'm, my whole ministry is to lay down my life to the benefit of my sheep. Where? On the cross. When Jesus is on the cross, you would say, if I could just walk into him, okay, you're some good shepherd, right? If you're such a good shepherd, why are you up here dying? Jesus would say back to me, you know why? Because I'm laying down my life for those who should be experiencing the wrath of God. I'm extending forgiveness, not because I needed some. No, 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 no. I don't need any forgiveness. I've never sinned, Jesus would say. But you see my sheep? They got a bunch of stuff they need forgiveness for. And you say, okay, well, well Jesus cries, cries out to God on the cross. He says, Father, Father, why have you left me? Why do you seem distant? Why do you seem uninterested? Why do you seem as if history is not really going to some ultimate point? For all those times when my sheep might feel that, might thought that, might be captivated by that, Jesus is saying, I've experienced the lostness in that. 
in me laying down my life, here's what I'm saying. All those moments, all those times, all that condition, all that sin, put it on me. Jesus lived the perfect life to the glory of God, chiefly first because he saw God's redemptive plan and was satisfied in it. But Hebrews tells us that for the joy set before him, he endured this life. What joy in this hard life for Jesus? Him laying down his sheep so they might experience his goodness in time and forever. Now pause. If you were to stop a sheep and ask them, a person in the sheepfold in the first century and say, sheep, talk to me. Like, that'd be weird. But sheep, what, what do you need your, what do you need from your, your shepherd the most? What do you really need, sheep? And the sheep, if it, had, if it was having a good day and a, and a real day, you would say, I need someone to rescue me when my enemies come get me. That's what I need. Well, what do you think the cross is? When our enemies of our, our despair, our sin, our distance from God, God's anger for our, our, our wrongness, those are our biggest enemies. The false, our false beliefs about God, the presence of false teachers that should represent God but are not. Those are all our personal enemies. Jesus says, on the cross and through the resurrection, I've come to rescue you from this. And I'm doing it all selflessly for you. Now, is that good to just me or is that anybody else? That's good. He says you can know the shepherd's goodness by his actions towards his sheep. The shepherd guards, he guards, not only guards his sheep, but he expresses his goodness. No matter what happens in life, no matter where we are in our plans, our thoughts, there is something that is true for every single one who he calls by his name. He says, I've laid down my life for you that you might have what? An abundant life. He says, matter of fact, contrast me with the selfish people. I'm totally bent for their good to the glory of God. And the false shepherds, they are bent to their own glory for the glory of self. And those are the thieves. So how do you know that you're experiencing the shepherd's guidance? There's three things I want want us to to think about and it will be done. First, the shepherd's guidance. Where is the the shepherd leading these people? If you're seeing the shepherd right, you're like, okay, okay. If that's the good shepherd, what's Jesus saying? This is God. This is really God. This This is how you should think of him. How do I know if I am experiencing this shepherd's guidance? Number one. You have to know where God is. Jesus is interested in leading people to first. Number one is to a life of knowing God. Verse 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He's saying, I've come to do something to lead them to abundant life. What is abundant life? Some people will tell you abundant life is a Learjet with a helicopter with a Benz connected onto it. With a $100,000 check inside the glove compartment. Some people will say that. Jesus says, you're thinking too small. Amen. <laughs> That's not what abundant life is. You say, well, Jesus, stop us with the guessing already. What is abundant life? Abundant life is not just material things. It is getting to God, a life of knowing God. He says in John chapter 17, this is eternal life. What is it? Tell us, Jesus. We're sitting on the edge of our seats. What is it? They might know you. Now notice Jesus say no about somebody. See, some of us have a relationship where we think we just want to know about God. It's as if God has a Twitter page and we're just going to look at all the facts and we'll memorize the facts and we'll be satisfied. But that's unsatisfying. But you know when you really get to know someone that it is good, there's nothing more satisfying than knowing that. See, Jesus is not saying to us, he's not holding on a promise of abundant life of riches, earthly riches alone. No, he's saying, no, think bigger. You may be rich, you might be poor. I've come that you might not just look at God's Twitter page and facts about him, but experientially know him. 
Now, without weirding you out, let me explain the only analogy the Bible gives you to how close and wonderful this is supposed to be. It's how a husband is supposed to know his wife and a wife know her husband. It's supposed to be the oneness of embrace in every possible way and the most pleasant thing way possible. He's saying the deep, as some of the old theologians would say to gross people out, but he's not tomorrow. He's like, like, like a husband who's infatuated with his wife in a holy way. He knows her. There's total disclosure and there's total embrace. He's saying that's how people can know God. Now, I know that for some people that seems like such a small treasure, but the Bible says when you get it, you get who Jesus is, this is the biggest treasure you can ever find. The shepherd is leading you to know the very maker of all things. Now, when you are that kid walking around in this crowded world saying, I've lost my father, I've lost my parent. Now you might know that the God of the universe says to you, come here, my child. And you come back to him every time, or at least you'll get there. And then he leads you in your life to say, I'm leading you personally through knowing me. If you ever screw your whole life up, if you ever made every mistake, you violated all the commandments in Christ, you are forgiven of them all. Why? Because the shepherd laid down his life. He exchanged your raggedy life for his abundant life to know me. He says you can know God. Jesus leads us to knowing God and him alone leads us to God. Number two, this shepherd is leading to people to be known by God. See, it's one thing to know God, but it's another thing to be known by God. I won't go back to the, 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 the crazy stories, but have you ever had like a high school crush? And you're like, man, if I could just get to know that person, oh, it would be great. Now, probably, you know, several years later, you probably regret saying any of that. But anyway, some of us think that's how God is. It's like, man, if I could ever just get to know God, I could just get to know God, it would be wonderful. It would be this great mountain experience. But sometimes, and this happened to me personally a couple times, that's why I didn't have a lot of girlfriends. But you got to know this girl, and it was like, oh my goodness, I'm getting to know her. But she don't really know me. You just kind of let down. It's almost as if you're in a relationship where just getting to know that person should thrill you, which is a thrilling. But then you kind of ask them, like, hey, you, you like me? You interested? Do you know me? And then God says, not only do you get to know me, I know you. He's saying that you don't just get the knowledge of me. Now I'm getting to know you and embrace you. I see you. Where is the shepherd leading? Verse 14 and 15 makes it clear. He says, just as the father, listen to this. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and what? My own know me. Just as the father knows me. And I know the father. Did you hear that? Just as the father knows the son. That's how God can know people in that same closer relationship. See, some of us need to understand and grow in the idea of God knowing us. Think about all the stuff about you that you may know, you may not know. All these facts, okay, your blood type, where you were born, all that stuff God knows. But then, like, what makes you mad? What's too much for you? What's not enough for you? What, what's your pursuits? What fires you up? God saying that when you get, when God, he not only you get to know God, God then gets to come, he knows you. Not that he's gaining information about you, but that you know that you, he's aware of you. Could you imagine God being, a, you are being, a, you are a life where you are actually, a, God is actually aware of you? 
What would this do to your despair? What would this do to when you feel abandoned? God says, now I know you. Just like I always keep my eye on Jesus, I always keep my eye on you. And then lastly, you say, okay, this sounds very individualistic. Jesus says, not only is life knowing God, a life being known by God, and then verse 16, this whole thing says, and I have other sheep that is not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. Where is this going? The life of being known. Being known and encapsulated into God's forever international family. You say, okay, if he's the shepherd, where is he going? He's leading people who would, by faith, turn to him and say, number one, you are, you are on the adventure of knowing God. Number two, God is now become, going to know you. And then number three, you will have a family of faith that is immortal and impenetrable. And at the end, you will be with that family. You say, well, Jesus, what is your vision for me if I want to be your sheep? If I want to follow you and be under your guidance, I'm going to lead you to know God. You're going to be known by God, and guess what? I have a family of you, and you're going to be able to talk to every single person you read about the Bible that believes. They'll be there and they're part of your family. You can go over to Nicaragua, and there'll be people who there and say, hey, I'm with Jesus. That's part of your family. It could be a person who's 95. Hey, that's part of your family. A person who's 9. That's part of your family. They could be olive. They could be light. They could be white. They could be pale. They could be jet black. Part of your family. They could be super religious on the outside or they could be super irreligious on the outside. If they're under the shepherd, that's part of your family. Can you follow a shepherd like that? What wouldn't you follow a shepherd like that through? My hope in this passage as we look at this good shepherd that we remind us that he really is this good. And his goodness is not just something that is tacked on a wall on a poster. It's his actions toward his people. It's actually his actions that we can know God, be known by God, and life now becomes being caught up in the international family of God. He's just that good. Let's pray. Father, my prayer is simple today, that you would help us to see your son Jesus brilliantly laid out as the good shepherd. And I pray that that will guard us from the falsities that we believe, the falsities that we align our lives, our lives with at times, but also help us to see his goodness afresh, not just in his cross and his resurrection. That is chief and that is great, but also in his call to his people, to his ongoing care of his people, and to his commitment to our good underneath his glory. Father, for my brothers and sisters who are here, and he's like, look, I'm just struggling being vulnerable right now. I pray that you will help us not to lean away from our vulnerability, but to lean into the goodness of our shepherd to the vulnerable and embrace his selfish love. Love that is forever bent to our good because he just is that good shepherd. And I pray that he might get great glory out of that. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. As we get ready to take the Lord's Supper today.